welcome him to come up. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, worship team. I don't know about you, but I enjoy, I, I so enjoyed that time of worship. Good job, musicians. Good job, singers. Can you give our worship team a hand? Yeah, um, yeah, most of the time I don't need any of these props because I have restless leg syndrome because I love to walk around when I, uh, when I share. Um, but good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jensen. I'm, um, I'm just a regular guy here in Port Lincoln. Uh, but I am, it's such a great privilege uh, to be able to share the Word of God with you guys. And it's also a great privilege for Sharon and I and our family to be part of One Heart Church. And I think we are living in a very blessed, in a very blessed place. We are living in a very blessed state. We are living in a very blessed nation. Uh, and um, originally, I was born in Malaysia, and I know that many parts of the world, they have suffered greatly from COVID. They have suffered greatly from, from um, diseases and um, political corruption. And we are actually very, very, very lucky here in Australia. And I pray that it's something that we do not take for granted. Um, I think it's very easy for us to be happy where we are, but we only just need to look across the eastern seaboard of our nation, and we know that churches haven't met for a year. Churches, uh, life groups, things that grow the church hasn't been happening. I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of Zoom church in the long run. All right? The music doesn't sound great. Sorry. I've been to Zoom church meetings and, man, the music's not that great and you don't have that feel. You do not have that one another feel when you, when you, get, when, when you do an online church. There is something powerful when God calls His people to come together. And if that is not happening in our eastern states, we need to pray. That we need to pray for the lockdown to stop because the lockdown is not helping the church. All right? I... I can go on and on and on about COVID stuff because I'm a medical doctor as well. I can spend a whole hour talking to you guys about it, but I think more importantly, we need to hear the Word of God today, all right? And I encourage you, if you have any questions about vaccination and what your fears are, and every case is different, and yes, I, I strongly encourage you to talk to a medical doctor. And do not trust the information you get online. There it is, we live in an age of misinformation. All right? We have access to too much information that we do not know what is true and what is not true. I think the internet is full of opinions rather than facts. So it's very important as God's people that we need to know what is true. And it is ever more important nowadays that we need to seek the truth in every situation, and not take everything at face value. So let the Christians, let the church of God be a wise church, be a church that will weigh up the facts and put it according to the word of God. Right. So that's my encouragement to you, and that's my pitch for the whole COVID vaccine, va vaccinate or not, all right? We will not talk about that today. 
What I'm going to talk about today is justice. Justice. Um, what comes to your mind when we look at justice? Some of us look at justice immediately as a courtroom where there is the skills of justice and the, and the, the judge bangs down the hammer, guilty as charged, off to prison you go. That's pretty much, mo including myself, most, most of us think about when we think about justice. Somebody did something wrong, they were judged, justice is served. Right? If you look at the cartoon on the right, if you recognize that cartoon, that means you're pretty old. Because that was, cause that's one of my favorite cartoons when I was a little boy. It was called Super Friends, Hall of Justice where you got this group of heroes trying to stand up against the evil of their time. And how appropriately it was called the Hall of Justice, where, where a group of people stood up against an evil that will not negotiate. Um, and that was one of those cartoons that I grew up in. So you can look at justice as standing up against something that is wicked, something that is not right. So when we look at justice, you do not need to look very far to know that almost every single movie and every single thing that you see on television has something to do with justice, isn't it? Every movie has some sort of hero that rises up against the evil and, and you know, there's always this good versus evil, uh, somebody standing up against tyranny, against something that is bad and hopefully wins most of the time in the movies. Deep inside every man and woman and child, there is a God-given sense of justice. You do not need the law to tell you because I can tell you that at my home, my kids know what injustice is. When, when one, one child says, it's not fair. You've given that toy to her, what about me? That's injustice to them. And that's a very immature form of injustice, all right? but it's still a sense of, hey, that is not fair. There are the most serious side of injustice. If you look at the picture on the left, that's a picture of one of those Nazi death concentration camps during the Holocaust. One of the greatest injustice of our time when six million Jews are butchered indiscriminately just because of their race, just because they are Jews. And you look at the picture on the right, another great form of injustice. You hear about modern day slavery. You hear about child labor. You hear about, worse still, the dark web where they peddle child pornography. You know, these things, I don't know about you, it sickens me. And it sickens most people because deep inside of us, there is a call and a longing for justice. We long for fairness. We long for things to be done right. Why don't you come along with me and we talk and we delve a little bit deeper into what justice means? Because I can tell you the word justice happens a lot in the Bible and God is a God of justice. And if you look at the Bible, depending on your translation, I know in the New Living Translation, the word justice in, happens, was stated 100, more than 150 times in the Bible. And you look up the other translations, it's also very, very, very commonly used. So justice is in the heart of God. Let's unpack justice a little bit. Justice comes from the root word just. 
So just means behaving according to what is morally right and fair. And that means justice is treatment that is right and fair. And then the word injustice means the lack of fairness or justice. Have I confused you guys? Uh, hopefully not. I mentioned earlier on that there is something called our conscience. Because deep inside every person, there is this longing to do what is right and to do what is fair. And we do not need the law because in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 to 15, the Apostle Paul says that even Gentiles, which was you and me, when we do not know the Ten Commandments and what God gave to Israel, we still have conscience. We still, do, we still know deep inside that what we, have done, what we are doing is right or is wrong many times. So when we look at justice, we need to know that God is just. As Christians, I do not know about you, but as Christians, we have to see God as the source of justice. Our God is a just God. Our God always does what is morally right and fair. God is just. You look at all the problems that's plaguing our society at the moment. Uh, almost every day you see on the news uh, that there's more calls for justice. You know, for the last two years, I've heard more cries for justice for everything. There is social justice. There is environmental justice. There is racial justice. There is gender justice. There is justice for everything. You can poke a stick at something and say, oh, there is injustice in that area. We are plagued with injustice. We are, injustice has been the hallmark of human civilization from the start of time. And we can never eliminate injustice. But as the children of God, God has given us some keys to navigate through the injustice of our times. You look at all the problems in our society nowadays, it is no different at 700 BC. At 700 BC, back in the days of Israel and Judah, there was a prophet named Micah. Micah was raised up by God during the time of King Hezekiah to speak against the injustice that was happening in the society at those times. So if you look at Israel and Judah in, in about 700 BC, there was corruption everywhere. There was greed. There was, there was fraud. People are ripping each other off, but they were a religious society. They go to the temple. They do all the religious stuff, but they are oppressing the poor. They are robbing the widows. They are, they are not looking after the orphans. They are not doing what is right. And God is not happy. God wasn't happy with Israel and Judah. And he raised up the prophet Micah to write the book of Micah. I encourage you to read through it when you have, when you have some free time and see what, what God was speaking to Israel and Judah through Micah. Let us read from verse, chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams with 10,000 rivers of olive oil. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, 
what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What God is trying to tell Israel and Judah, and I think it's the same thing that God will tell us today, is He is more concerned when we do the right thing. And then when we love mercy, and when we walk humbly. I'm going to share with you the three keys that God has given to us to navigate through the injustice of our time. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Why don't we go to the first point, to act justly. Now, I have already said from the first slide, the first few slides, that just is, means doing what is right and fair. There is a blessing when we know and when we do what is right in God's sight. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Oh, the first part of Matthew chapter 5 is known as popularly as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are so and so. Blessed are. And one of the things that, God's, that Jesus said is blessed is when we know and when we do what is right. You find it in verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In other translation, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. There is something satisfying in the soul of man when we do what is right. So how do we know what is right and what is wrong? That's the bigger question, isn't it? We want to do what is right, but we need to know what is right. We need to know what is right and wrong. That leads me to my next point. It all boils down to our point of reference. Where is my point of reference? Where is your point of reference? On the picture on the right, I hope you know what that is. That's a compass, all right? Back in the days when there was no Google Maps, we do have to rely on compass. A compass points north. When you know where north is, then you know where south is. When you know where south is, you know where east and west is. The compass points to the magnetic north of the earth. Now, it doesn't matter what, what happens. The magnetic north of the earth stays the same. The only problem is, is your compass working, right? If your compass is faulty, then you're not going to align yourself with the magnetic point of the earth. So it's the same thing with our morality. Where is our point of reference? Is our point of reference based on what is popular culture? Or is based on the word of God that is eternal? Is our point of reference based on what we feel? Or is based on what God said in his word? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, he says, He who listens to my word is like a person who builds his house on a rock. So when we listen and we follow the teachings of Jesus, we build our house on a firm foundation. Our morality is fixed. Our morality will not be shaken by popular culture or what society requires of us. But if you build your house on the sand, which is not according to God's principles, then you will be shaky. Your morality will change according to what is right in society's eyes. Your morality will change based on what you feel. Your morality will change on based on how popular you're going to be. 
because I can see that in this modern day and age, it's so difficult for us to hold on to our principles because all around us, there is pressure for us to conform to society, to conform to what is politically correct. There is no political correctness in God's word. God's word is black and white. Sorry to say this to anyone who, wants to, who, who may be offended by this, but God's word is black and white. All right? There is no ifs, ands, or buts. God said it, and he said it. It's not because we are prideful or we are, we are, uh, we are arrogant, but we base our lives on a point of reference, which is not what the world wants us to base our point of reference on. So what is your point of reference? Will we be people that will root ourselves in what God says? God, through the ages, have spoken to mankind in three ways. One, the written word. Psalms 119 verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word gives us direction in our behavior, in our morality, in our conviction. Romans chapter 1 verse 2 says, The good news was preached to the prophets. So God also raised up people to speak the word of God to you and I. So God reveals himself and shows us the way to walk through the written word and the spoken word. But best of all, we have Jesus Christ, the living word. He is the word that came in flesh. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning there was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And so if you do not know what is, you, you may not know everything about the Bible, you may not hear every prophet, but when you see Jesus, he is the living word. He's actually the word incarnate. Incarnate means the word of God became a living being. And so I encourage you today that when you look for your point of reference with every decision you make, just look at what Jesus do. I remember when I was, uh, when I was a, um, a young child or an early teenager, there was a very popular saying, WWJD. What would Jesus do? We have wristbands, we have all sorts of fashion icons. I mean, I didn't think of it too much. It was, oh, that's a pretty cool fashion icon. Yeah, but what would Jesus do? When you ask ourselves today, with the difficult questions in life, with the difficult questions that is plaguing our society, what would Jesus do? To act justly. Would we act justly in everything we do? I'm glad that the Word of God doesn't stop there and just saying for us, just asking us to do what is just because the next point is equally important. We need to love mercy. All right? It is very easy for you and I to go into the trap of arguing and trying to say, I am right. No. It's my way or the highway. You're wrong. I'm right. But the second point is all about mercy. So what is mercy? Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's powers to punish or harm. Where to act justly is all about doing the right thing. Mercy is what will you do if you have been wronged? If you have been offended? Or somebody has already hurt you? Or somebody has already broken the law? What will you do? Yes, you are in a position to punish. 
But what will you do? The Word of God says, love mercy. I love it that what Micah said in, his, in the book of Micah, all three things, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, was echoed in the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As Christians, we need to be agents of mercy. Not just agents of justice, but also agents of mercy. Because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7 says, But God is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. Verse 6, he says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united in Christ Jesus. God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. I love that scripture because it says that we don't deserve the salvation we have. It is because of God's mercy we are forgiven and we have this life. And in the same way, Jesus expects us to be agents of mercy. And when we can call injustice for what it is, but he's also asked us to love the sinner. John chapter 8 verse 1 to 11 is a great example of how we should tackle injustice because this is what happened to Jesus when he was on this earth 2,000 years ago. The Pharisees and the religious leaders caught a woman in adultery in the act of adultery, right? So it's not like, oh, uh, is it true? Oh, there's not enough evidence. They have the evidence. They caught the woman in the act of adultery and they dragged the woman about to kill her, about to stone her. And I'm amazed and I'm glad that what Jesus did was he, he just stood coolly. He stalled the whole thing. He started drawing stuff on the ground. I do not know what he drew. But then he told the religious leaders, he who has no sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they left. And all that is left is the woman and Jesus. And he asked the woman, woman, where is your accuser? She says, none. Who condemns you? None. Neither do I, say Jesus. Go and sin no more. That is the greatest example where God still hates the sin. God didn't excuse the woman for what, he, for what she did. He told the woman, go and sin no more because the sin is still not acceptable to God. But he doesn't condemn because he showed the woman mercy. So that is our God of justice and our God of mercy acting at the same time when he was walking on this earth. Will we do the same thing? And when we call out injustice as it is, but yet we have that love and that mercy to forgive. Do justly, love mercy, and lastly, walk humbly. Will we walk humbly with your God? Humility. Humility is not a real buzzword nowadays. Humility has never been a buzzword for us human beings because most of the time, if you are honest with ourselves, all we can think about is our self-elevation, more about our self-satisfaction. We live to please ourselves. But humility is almost counterculture, where it says it's not about you, but it's about others. Where justice is about shaping our convictions to do what is right, mercy is about what we do for others. 
Humility is the attitude of the heart. What is humility? Humility is very much explained in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 11. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And therefore God elevated him to the highest honor and gave him the name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was the perfect example of humility. In Jesus, you find justice. In Jesus, you find mercy. In Jesus, you find humility. Jesus never came 2,000 years ago to be served, but to serve. He thought about you and I as he hung on that cross. And that's the God we serve. May we as Christians learn to walk humbly with that revelation, to know that we can propagate justice. We can love the sinner, but always we need to have a humble heart, knowing that we are not that great either. And that all we have, and what we have in this journey we have with God, is because of God's grace. It's because of God's forgiveness to us. With nothing that we do today, nothing that we have today, is, can be credited to what we did. Everything is a gift from God. And, it, and we are called as stewards, as, as people that are responsible to, to guard this treasure and also to do what is right with it. So to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God, we need to address the root of injustice. What is the root of injustice? The root of injustice is sin. Plain and simple. The world can call it any other, any other name, but as Christians, the root of injustice is sin. What is sin then? Sin, pretty much, when you look at the direct translation, it means missing the mark. Wander off the path. Remember the picture of the compass. Back in creation, in Adam and Eve, God has given this beautiful world to us, but, we, but the first man and woman squandered it because instead of putting God as the point of reference, they decided to make themselves the point of reference. Right? It's, the, the greatest sin in this world is not the sin of murdering somebody or committing adultery or doing, doing something wrong or, or, or even torturing somebody indiscriminately. The greatest sin that humankind has ever done is when we spat at the face of God and says, I don't want you as my point of reference. I want to be God. That was what the tree of knowledge and good and evil was all about because the serpent tempted Adam and Eve to think that they can be greater than God. And so 
Adam and Eve took the fruit because they say, they think in themselves, yep, I don't need you, God. I want to do this on my own. I'm going to set my own point of reference. And that is when the compass of morality broke. So the very, the, the very moment when Adam and Eve took that fruit, our compass of morality has been broken. And it took Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross for us so that we can have our compass restored. So we can, have, so we can point to the true north again, which is God. Romans 3 verse 23 to 26 is a very popular verse because we know the first part, for everyone has sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standard. But I'm glad that it doesn't stop there. It says, God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. The sacrifice showed that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. My friends, in Jesus, we see justice, we see mercy, and we see humility. At the cross, when Jesus died, is where the justice of God met the mercy of God. Because when Jesus took upon our sins on his cross, he did it for you and I. That was God's mercy. But also, the cross also resembles how much God hates sin. All right? If God doesn't hate sin that much, he probably will write a fine for humanity. Pay, pay me five million sheep. Whatever it is, no, for the wages of sin is death. The wages means, when you get a wage, means you earned it. We earned the right to be crucified, to be killed. But God in his mercy, through Jesus Christ, took upon that payment. And he hung on that cross. I invite the musicians back up. So that now we have no excuse, my friends. And all we have, we know that God is fair and just. And we have stuffed up, but God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. That we are recipients of His mercy and grace. And also, we serve a God who is humble enough to think of us rather than Himself. What a great privilege for us to be able to have what we have as Christians. May we be agents of justice because that pleases the heart of God. May we be agents of mercy because that reflects the heart of God as well. May we also walk in humility. I, I love the fact that it's walking because it's step by step, God helps us to be humble. Step by step, Walking humbly means walking together with God towards the destination that He has for us. With every head bowed and every eyes closed. It is a great injustice for me not to introduce to you, if you do not know Jesus Christ, 
I want to introduce to you the best gift of all. He is the reason why we are here. He's the reason why we sing. He's the reason why we gather. If you do not know Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to open your heart and receive His gift, to receive His gift of mercy. The good news is good news that we can be forgiven, but we have to accept the bad news too. The bad news is that we can never be good enough by our own, that we need Jesus Christ. We need the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and to make us whole again. If that is you, and you've never given this commitment to Jesus Christ before, if that is you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I encourage you to raise your hand now as a sign that God, that you're telling God that God, I want this. I want this gift that you've given to me. If that is you, will you raise your hand? And if you, if, even if you don't, why don't you say this prayer with me? This is a prayer for Jesus to come into our lives, to acknowledge the sin that has caused us to be separated from God, but also acknowledging that Christ has paid the price and that we are born again. So why don't we pray this prayer together with me? And you can look on the screen if you want. So let's say it together. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I have sinned against you. Please forgive me and make me clean again by the power of your blood. I invite you today to be my Lord and Savior. Today I make a decision to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for making me a new creation. I am now born again as a child of God. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And by the authority of God through His Scripture, I can definitely tell you that if this is the first time you prayed this prayer, Jesus has come into your life and that you are now a new creation and you are now born again. And if you, if you said this prayer for the first time, I encourage you to speak to one of the leaders, to speak, speak to me, speak to a Christian and we can get you some resources to help you with your journey. And as we stand before I close, I want to throw this challenge to two groups of people. The first group is those that feel that you have already done a wrong and that you feel that, oh, I've committed something that is so bad, I can't even forgive myself. That is guilt. It was never God's desire for us to live with guilt. And if you struggle with guilt because of an injustice that was perpetrated by you, willingly, willingly or unwillingly, there is healing at the cross today. Jesus has already taken the price, taken the payment for your sin and my sin. And in Him today, you do not need to live with guilt. The second group of people I want to challenge to respond is for those of us who have been hurt, that we have been a victim of some form of injustice and that we live with unforgiveness and we live with bitterness. I can tell you there is healing at the cross as well. There is healing in God's presence where God can take away that bitterness and heal us from our hurts. If that is you, as we stand and we sing the song, would you respond to God? God bless you all as we sing. Not enough.
Unless you come, will you meet me here again? So I was, so you are, will you meet me here again? Not enough, I'm not enough, unless you come. 